nobody was talking about them more, however, than Brendan Rodgers was talking about Swansea. And he came out after that game and said, it was great for the public here at Sunderland to see us. They must have been wondering what this team everyone is talking about are all about, and now they have seen it. We were wonderful. The scoreline in that match was Sunderland 2, Swansea 0. What? <laughs> Sunderland 2, Swansea 0. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? <laughs> it's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus, why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave. Hello comrades and you're very welcome to the Football Spin. It's the Football Spin on the final day of the Premier League season. What has been a fairly traumatic, eventful and to be honest with you, in the end, kind of a little bit dull. Even though when you get 10 games on the la- on a last day, you're thinking this is going to be pure drama throughout. Now, Dion Fanning is here and Nordin Chowdhury is here. Now, I know you were saying from a Manchester United point of view, fans point of view, that it was tense, but... Uh, like I think for most other people, it felt like it was it went according to what was expected. We should say though, before I, I get your response to that, that Manchester United at one stage, I saw someone tweeting out a league table with fourteen games to go, were fourteen points behind Leicester. So it's been brilliant form from Manchester United. It's been atrocious form from Leicester, but from a Manchester United point of view, back in the Champions League, nods that's that must feel pretty good. Oh yeah, like it was a, it was a massive result. Like and and I, and I do think for, I mean, you even watched uh, um, United fans on on social media that they, they, they were proper bricking it, and for, for good reason. It felt like a felt like a real sliding doors moment. Um, in that qualifying for Champions League and even finishing third isn't a great achievement in itself, but the alternative just just opened up a different timeline of what could happen. Suddenly, what players would perhaps turn the noses up. A, a team that perennially lives in the in the Europa League, so there was so many, there was so much at stake, and uh, no, it's a, and there was a, there was a little bit of a told you so attitude from Solskjaer in, in the post match uh, interviews, which might seem a little bit petulant to some, but I suppose from his point of view, when like you say, when you when you look at it from like the Burnley Burnley um, result and and sort of to, to here. Like over the longer term, they've actually done brilliantly to to bring it back. As as, as awful as as Leicester have been, um, it's a great achievement. Um, but I mean, today's result and the last couple of weeks does uh, open up a lot of questions about where United are because I think at, there was a point at which people were getting quite excited, and the media were obviously the media want another sort of top top name in the in, in the race for the title and stuff like that. So they United were being touted as like can they sort of compete against Liverpool and, and City and on current form definitely not. Um there's so much work still to do. But yeah, I think I think overall Solskjaer's done done a really good job in the second half of the season. Uh, but there's loads of question marks still. Uh, Dion, please don't praise me too much because you can become complacent said Ole Gunnar Solskjaer in his post-match press conference. You haven't praised them too much, Dion. Was this, was this a good result for Manchester United to be in the Champions League next season? Um, it's good for them to be in the Champions League. Uh, I think 
the same question marks are, are there about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer today as they were um, before this game and before, you know, in, in the in that just are, are will persist with him. I I think, uh, and when he's talking about Manchester United today, you know, that the, the, they played in the way that was in the Manchester United DNA, and they were you know, you, you go out and you play without fear. Um, I honestly, I it was it was a staggering, um, a staggering interpretation of one of the worst games of football uh, I've ever seen. Um, like this was this was a nothing game played between two teams that were shitting themselves, and uh, um, and unsurprisingly, um, Brendan Rodgers, Leicester City. Uh, just you know, outdid did Manchester United in, in in that regard, and I think like I wouldn't be getting uh, overexcited as a Manchester United fan. Now, it's good that they're in the Champions League; they've moved back up from last last season. Uh, the run, the, the form they've been on has been uh, up until recently has been has been has been very good, um, but it's not. Uh, as we've talked about on this show, I think there's an awful lot of stuff that's still up in the air because of the way the way it's happened. Now, there's a lot to be excited about. The front three for Manchester United is something to get excited about. As Nas says, if they bring in players, um, they will uh, have players who can sort of step up when those three are are feeling, uh, you know, are jaded or are tired. And that's one one of the problems United have had. But I I think it's. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's a good day for Manchester United, but I, I think it's uh, it's going to be a persistent question with with Solskjaer about whether he's actually the manager Manchester United needs. The the funny thing about United and Chelsea is, in spite of the fact that United actually ended up finishing above them, um, you do get the sense that from here on in, especially ahead of the new season, um, Chelsea are probably going to be better placed to buy players and improve because. They, they first of all they're already already doing it, um, and secondly United, United are a bit iffy in the in the, in the transfer market. And as much as people um, seem to create this narrative that United are, are doing really well in buying players now, that's only because they were really awful beforehand, and they're doing it very slowly. Like it's it's one or two players each time, and and that's and if that continues, because two players won't be enough. Two quality players won't be enough this transfer window. So United will United might improve incrementally, but it's it won't be enough for another two or three years unless they pull the finger out and, and really show ambition this summer and actually show that they're able to get their number one targets in, in, a, in a way that other clubs ha- have proved and, and United haven't really. Dion, um, a lot has is been made of Leicester's collapse. Obviously, they've taken just 23 points from their last 19 games since they lost to uh, Liverpool on Stephen's Day Boxing Day. And they have, as I mentioned, were 14 points clear of Manchester United and they have ended up finishing in fifth out of the Champions League places. And in saying all that, they have finished ahead of Spurs, they finished ahead of Arsenal. So, you know, like, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not good that they've lost out in the Champions League here, but you could still potentially view this as a successful season for Brendan Rodgers. Well, you could, uh, 
but you would be ignoring um, the 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 pattern of Brendan Rodgers' side uh, that um, that this that this seems to conform conform to uh, you know in in the most uh, spectacular fashion. Uh, I think we talked about this going way back six months ago uh, when we talked about Brendan Rodgers being all hat and no cattle. And uh, and once again, once again, Brendan Rodgers was standing there, uh, standing at the at, on, at the uh, at the gates of the ranch, you know, waving his stetson in the air, and uh, you know, yee-hawing it uh, as much as he could. And then we turn around, and oh, he's riding on his horse. We turn around, and there ain't no cattle behind him. There's nothing there. There's just a man with a big stetson. A man with a big hat, and and that's all you get with Brendan Rodgers. And I think this is this is uh, this is the most. I think I don't believe Brendan Rodgers' reputation will ever recover from what's happened with Leicester City this season, um, uh, because it is it is so spectacular. And you know there is that moment. Let's well let's listen to this. There's this moment in uh, December when Brendan Rodgers was being linked with the Arsenal job and he was asked if uh, it was true that there was a, a clause in his contract that he could uh, talk to other clubs. No, the, listen, there probably, the probably is in most managers' contracts, Jeff. Listen, it's all hypothetical, all these types of uh, situations. I think for me at this moment, we were a brilliant win today. Um, as I said, we came back really, really well. My focus is very much with Leicester and uh, like I, said, I made a change eight, nine months ago and I came into here and I've been so happy since I came into here to work with the players and I feel we, we still have a lot of work to do. So, um, so like I said, most managers' contracts will have something in that but, uh, but for me, my only concentration on is Leicester. Second in the table right now, can you achieve your ambitions with Leicester City? Yeah, um, listen, I've been very fortunate in my, my career, Jeff, to, to work with some brilliant clubs and some great institutions and, and coming to here this was an ambition to come to here to help the club arrive into the, the top six and uh, and for us you know everything's been great since we've worked together we know there'll be bumps along the way but but for me my ambition at this very moment in time is to help this club you know have a responsibility uh, to share that with the uh, with the director of football with Tom with Susan our chief executive to try and uh, move the club forward so uh, and I'm very happy in doing that and there's great great potential here at Leicester City in order to uh, to, to push on in the next few years great potential um, and for a while for a while after that interview the potential did seem to uh, seem, seem to be, be realised you know they uh, they went and won their next um, they went and won their next couple of games, uh, um, beating Watford, beating Villa, uh, and then losing Premier League games, losing back-to-back games at Manchester City and then at Liverpool, uh, at home to Liverpool, 4-0, probably one of Liverpool's best performances of the season. And again, you were just those moments where, now, OK, Leicester are a tiny club compared to those clubs, they won the, although they won the Premier League, Four years ago, but again, those crucial games, um, something seems to happen to a Brendan Rodgers side, uh, and it happened at Liverpool, 
It happened at Celtic, and it's happened spectacularly today at Leicester City. Um, and you know, and not just today, but in the run-in, as you said, Paddy, like there's a huge amount. Uh, City or Leicester won two two of the la- two of the nine games in in since since Project Restart. Uh, but their form was, you know, they were they were really they were going downhill before that. Um, uh, you know, they they between the start and the end of February, the lead was cut by five points from Manchester United. Uh, and it's just and then the run United were on um, gave Leicester no room for maneuver. And then you have this game today. It's still a game where it's all in in their hands. And as Brendan Rodgers said, it was all going to plan. This is his quote from after the game today. It was all going to plan, but of course we give away the penalty and then we're chasing it. It was all going to plan, but again, everybody has a plan until they get a punch in the face. And that's and that's what happened to Leicester and Brendan Rodgers today. They had a plan, but they seemed to, their plan didn't seem to have seemed to factor in the factor in the possibility that the opposition could score. That would be seem to be the flaw in the plan because uh, that's you know that happens in football. It happens quite regularly in football that the opponents will score. So to say we had a plan until the opponents scored uh, isn't really a plan. It's not really a plan. It's just a kind of, it's half a plan. It's the half of a plan you have for when they haven't scored. But if you're looking at that plan, you'd say, Brendan, where's the other half of the plan for when they do score? Um, and that will be missing in this plan. Uh, and I do feel, I think it's, uh, no, it's, 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 you know, if you go on Twitter to, this evening, you will see an awful lot of stuff about Brendan Rodgers and, bottling and all that kind of stuff but it it is there is there is something because of the way Brendan Rodgers has projected himself the way he has always set himself up as a person who can talk his way talk you round to seeing the world as he sees it i think that that gap between what he says and what what is happening is always going to seem more stark, and this this the, the greatest example still in all the things Brendan Rodgers has said. The greatest example of this remains a game at the Stadium of Light when he was manager of Swansea, and Sunderland were Sunderland were playing Swansea, and after the game, Brendan Rodgers. This is the Swansea team that everyone was talking about, talking about the football they played. Nobody was talking about them more, however. And Brendan Rogers was talking about Swansea, and he came out after that game and said it was great for the public here at Sunderland to see us. They must have been wondering what this team everyone is talking about are all about, and now they have seen it. We were wonderful. Swansea. The scoreline in that match was Sunderland two, Swansea nil. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sunderland 2, Swansea 0. They must have been wondering what this team everyone is talking about are all about, and now they've seen it. We were wonderful. That And now, Brendan Rodgers, that's, that's a long time ago, and Brendan Rodgers has probably moved on and learned a lot since then. But again, 
that sense that you can talk your way into a situation, that you can actually create it, um, has never really left him. And because of because these examples pile up and they go back in their own way, and there's a great they go back in their own way to Liverpool, Chelsea in 2014, when again Liverpool had a plan, they did have a plan until Steven Gerrard slipped. And then Baba scored. And then they didn't seem to have a plan. Their entire plan. And this is the thing that's always forgotten about in that game. Because people talk about the slip. What was a lot worse than the slip was the complete lack of ideas in Liverpool once they conceded that goal. And Steven Gerrard spent the rest of the game trying to redeem himself by trying to score from 40 yards. That was, that was the problem there. Um, and now you have this situation where Leicester, in this incredibly strong position, uh, against a Manchester United team where all the pressure uh, is on them. Uh, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't, they couldn't really put up, they couldn't really put up the kind of performance which would make you think, uh, would make you think that they had changed, that they had, that they had, uh, that Rodgers was doing something Rodgers was doing something that actually matched his words because again, and if you go back and if you go back to other examples of this, when Liverpool played Manchester United, when uh, the season after Suarez left, and and there was the briefings that appeared in the papers telling us how uh, incredible insight into the thinking of Brendan Rodgers inside the brain of Brendan Rodgers. A couple of journalists just seemed to talk to people who provided them this insight into how Brendan Rodgers in his kitchen in the middle of the night making toast, reworked the Liverpool tactical plan. And uh, this was all, you know, incredible run of form had begun, you know, with, with this insight that Brendan Rodgers had. And then, of course, this, these interviews appeared and Liverpool went out and lost to Manchester United. Before the game this weekend, Brendan Rodgers said that if they beat Manchester United, it will be a victory that will be heard around the world. It will be heard around the world. Well, it will not be heard around the world because they, they played as if they felt it was going to be. I don't know what happens. Maybe he does actually say this stuff to them. Maybe he tells them these things. This will be heard around the world. Uh, and it puts some pressure on them. because. But there is there is something... That is, is, is a pattern now in Brendan Rodgers' sides that when uh, they are in pressure situations or in big games, it seems to be too much for them. And I, I think this is one that is going to be... You may be wondering now uh, if uh, the Arsenal job wasn't one that... You know, he was very happy to stay at Leicester. Uh, and he may be wondering now if maybe it was a chance to move on because he had just... You know, he had he had come he had, because of the way he left Celtic. Maybe he felt he couldn't do that again so soon. But otherwise, you know, I wonder, like, what would he? You know, what would he be thinking now? He could have he could have got into the Arsenal job and uh, be doing this at a at a bigger club. Any recruitment agent will tell you that, Dion. You can't eight months on a CV. It just doesn't. It's a, it doesn't look right on the CV. You've got to stay a year. It has to be one year, and then you can move on again. Presumably, presumably he's okay to go now if he wants. The CV will be all right. Nas, the uh, the uh, the evidence that Dion has put across, pretty compelling about Brendan Rodgers. He's he's a very easy character to lampoon. Obviously, 
like being Liverpool was like was the first of those kind of fly on the wall club documentaries and he was such a big part of like the narration and you get the feeling that he definitely wanted to be a part of the story like he was putting himself forward at every opportunity to be on camera so he's kind of his own worst enemy I mean what's your thoughts on Rogers as a manager and as a man <laughs> well I mean the, I mean the, the, the comparison that's often made is with David Brent and 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 and, and it is as much as it can feel cruel, like in some ways it's apt because, again, um, like Dion said, Brent is somebody who thinks that he can talk himself out of everything or anything, and he's got all his faults. And the the the, the makers of that of that TV show, um, in order to keep Brent sympathetic to the audience, they either either made you feel sorry for him because like he was so pathetic that. You kind of forgave like the, like the accidental sexism or, or sort of uh, the faux pas about race or whatever because he was a uh, he was a tragic figure, or they'd give him little victories like telling Finchie to fuck off. Now, 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 now that's that, that's sometimes how it feels with 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 Rogers is in, in that I do feel sorry for him like like I genuinely feel sorry for him because I think, and again without trying to psychoanalyze him. He seems like the sort of person who's desperate, absolutely desperate to be taken seriously. And this overconfidence that he shows, it, it almost feels as if it's born from this insecurity to to sort of finally be, be acknowledged in the way that he thinks he deserves. And there's there's a kind of nobility to trying to achieve that. But he he is this 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 sounds awful to say, but he he is. He is just a naturally ridiculous man in some ways, and 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 I, and I, I don't mean that in in like taking the piss away. I just mean he things happen and he says things that that just don't help him at all. Like like, like you're saying, and uh, and yeah, he's he's obviously not without talents, and he's obviously not without ability, and and he does fashion these teams that do well up to a point, and um and do play really nice football, but it just doesn't seem to happen to him happen for him, and even when it does. Even when he, when even when he has success, again going going back to Brent, like he he he'll have some success with with somebody like like say romantically with a woman he meets, and then suddenly he he gets overexcited and he thinks that he can he can go for the next sort of shot. He's he's he's, he's suddenly better than that. So with Rogers, even like the, things were going so well at Celtic, and they were really taking taking him to his to their heart, and it felt like a perfect match. But then he wanted to. He wanted to shoot for the stars, or, or, or and and those stars were were, were Leicester City, and 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 yeah, and it, and it just it just falls apart. Um, but one thing I did notice is when you played that clip, I didn't realize how much he sounds like a shit Liam Neeson, like his voice, even 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 the way he sort of whispers slightly menacingly. It's, it's, it's kind of like he's he's got a very particular set of skills, but that's 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 finishing just outside the top four. And and like he'll 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 find you. He'll look for you. He'll find you, but he won't quite catch you. That's that's, that's the only difference in him and Liam Neeson. Okay, um, let's leave the top four aside. Uh, Manchester United and Chelsea are in those positions. Um, we haven't really gotten to Frank. We'll have to maybe leave him for another day. Um, and it's nothing it's more to say about Frank. Nothing. Opinion. No. Let's. 
Okay, at the other end of the table, um, Aston Villa have managed to stay up. So it's like exactly as it was going into the final day. And you're kind of like willing one final twist in, you know, bygone relegation battles when that happens, a 95th minute winner. Although in saying that, I am glad that Villa stayed up. And I think most people will say with Bournemouth that, you know, they're one of those clubs that have been in the Premier League and maybe their time has been served and it's time for them to go. Um how will you reflect on Bournemouth and Eddie's house time in the Premier League, Nas? How will you remember Bournemouth in the Premier League? Um, not, I won't, I won't, won't feel much to be honest. I mean, I mean, like obviously, like to anyone who's from Bournemouth or, or to Bournemouth fans, or indeed if you are, if if you are how it matters to you, but it just strikes me as like beyond that that small sort of ecosystem of their support and their club, like. Do enough people give enough of a shit about Bournemouth? Like, e- even in a negative way, like, you can't even hate Bournemouth. Like, today, Arsenal, like, to be honest, with Arsenal, I, I lose track of the number of teams that they have a grudge against. Like, they'll, they'll, they'll play they'll play Stoke and it'll be a big grudge match because there was a foul a few years ago or or, or somebody said something. Or, and, and, like, today, for some reason, like, like there, was, there, there was a grudge with, with Watford. So, even the likes of Watford um, elicit strong reactions from various people for whatever reason. Like Bournemouth, they're just, they're just nice. They're just a nice club to have around. And it's kind of like, oh, they're gone now. And you, and you kind of turn around and you kind of think, oh, like the, didn't somebody used to sit at that desk? And it was like, yeah, that, that used to be the Bournemouth out there. They, they've gone now. And I'm like, all right. Like, has anyone taken up their work? Well, it was Bournemouth, so... We just carry on without them. Do you know what I mean like like it's like that that like and again I stress like to, to Bournemouth fans. I'm sure it's a matter of life and death. But outside of that, does anyone really care enough at all? No, I don't think they do. Do they? They just. Uh, but yeah, I I think like I, okay, there there are clubs going down with bigger bigger support bases than than. Than Bournemouth, but I I think a lot of the time when uh, when you look at the relegation, there are a number of clubs going down. And you're going well, it it's it's it is it's very sad for them, but they they bring you know there are so many there are about five or six clubs down there. You kind of think well, if either any of them got relegated, it wouldn't make uh, you know you wouldn't be saying it was a great injustice compared to somebody else being relegated, uh, and. You know that's like pretty much the same. Looking at the table now, like West Ham, like West Ham staying up. Clearly, it's not the same in terms of credit where it's due, Dion. Credit where it's it's due. Credit where it's due. Um, But uh, no, I think Villa. I think everyone, or not everyone, obviously, but lots of people are happy with Villa because they're a decent club and they are kind of the antithesis of Bournemouth in that uh, everybody knows. or deranged Aston Villa fans, and uh, and they seem to blow they they seem to blow it seem to be you know they seem to blow it uh, at at uh, at Everton when they let Theo Walcott score a header. You're but, not you're not gonna let that you're not gonna leave that alone here. That's why you're down. That's why you're down there. Without sounding like Rookie, <laughs> that's why you're down there. Um, but of course, and then and then there would have been it would have been even crueler. It would have been even crueler if Bournemouth beating Everton uh, had um, had had sent them down. 
that would have it would have made it even worse that that Theo Walcott moment had come along come along. But Everton can probably always be relied upon in these situations to, uh, uh, like that was that was an astonishingly bad performance from from uh, from Everton today. Like uh, born like Bournemouth. This was Bournemouth. And uh, everything to play for, Dion. Playing for their lives. That's it, that's it. That's the whole point. Like Everton had all the advantages, nothing to play for. Go out there and, and uh, go out there and give give the supporters something to look forward to for next season. More importantly, give underline. We should be able. To, we should pull this up now. We should really pull this up. Over. I know we're not going to because you control these things, Paddy. But give underline. The word in the Paddy McKenna dossier. <laughs> let's about let's the dossier, dossier closed. The yeah, like, like that, let, let's go back and hear that. Let's go back and hear those words because, like, to me now, after that performance today, I would be looking upon that dossier the way people look upon the tweet of Richard Keyes loving Everton's business this summer. Here's an early call. They finish above Liverpool <clears throat> this season. That's like people will never learn with Everton. Uh, it, especially it, the fans, obviously. That's especially evident. the fans, but it's uh, it's um, that was that was dismal. Can I can I ask can I can I ask a question about Jordan Pickford? Like joking yeah. aside, like everyone makes jokes about him having tiny little arms and everything, especially Liverpool fans. But like we talk about De Gea and like him at times being a liability. Like Jordan Pickford for both England and Everton, isn't he? Isn't he a bit of a concern? Isn't he a limited goalkeeper? Very limited. And he's he's totally prone to like horrible mistakes and has been for a long time. Like the worst thing to happen for Jordan Pickford was Colombia against England in the World Cup. Because he had a brilliant game and everybody remembers that save in extra time where he like flung himself across the goals to save. Um, I can't remember whose shot it was, but it was an incredible save. And it's like... It happens for players when they have an incredible performance and then they 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 live off that performance. But you can't live off that, a World Cup appearance and a World Cup performance forever, especially as a goalkeeper. So like he's exactly the same as De Gea and Kepa. He's a cheaper, um, expensive goalkeeper that Everton should replace, but because he's got such a huge price tag, they probably won't and they'll probably persist with him. Although maybe Ancelotti will have the guts to to bring in somebody new now and I think he'd already said he needs backup that there, he needs competition for his place so you know potentially his sign could be limited but he is he is a really dodgy presence at the back for Everton because it's like anything else with a goalkeeper once if you don't if you don't have that confidence the back four then start getting shaky that's it so, anyway, he is definitely a big problem for Everton that has to be solved because because he but he seems to have the where is De Gea sort of like you, you do feel his head sort of goes down when he makes a mistake or whatever. Um, Pickford does seem to have a bit of the Joe Hart's about him in in that, like Joe Hart, just like seems incredibly confident, like as as in sort of he'll be shouting and, and like tub thumping as if like he's the world's best, and he, he he does have this ingrained sort of sense of like he belongs. So there's there's no lacking of confidence. It's just he's not as perhaps as good as he thinks he is. Yeah, and he was he was filed under that kind of like the new goalkeeper that can that is good um with distribution and that was seen as like 
wow, England has a goalkeeper that can actually kick the ball 60 yards to another player's feet. And he is a good, like, that's probably his best asset uh, alongside, you know, occasionally some brilliant shot, shot stopping. But that, again, it's just consistency thing. You know, like, he just hasn't got the, he's got mistakes in him all the time. So he's a huge problem. But Nas, look at I. I do feel like I need to move things on here and move move the message on a little bit. It was a final final appearance at Everton for what is a genuine legend at the club, Leighton Baines. Now I know Dion is a huge fan of Ashley Cole as a left back in the Premier League, and he would say he's probably the best left back in the Premier League era. But Baines, if you like, I feel sorry for Baines because. <clears throat> If he was at a top four club, it wouldn't even be a conversation or a debate. Like his stats are so incredible and he is just such a fantastic left back. As much as like this season when he came in for Dean, he was so good. Like he's 35, but he like he did not look like he was out of his depth or that he'd lost the yard. It's interesting that he's chosen to retire now because he looks like he could go on. Ancelotti wanted him to go on. But I guess the commitment these guys have to give to know that you will sit on the bench, potentially for an entire season without playing, um, uh, an appearance in the Carabao Cup. And obviously Everton's Carabao Cup history is so bad. That's probably a first round exit. But he has been phenomenal. Like his 53 assists in the Premier League, he is the most assisted uh, defender in Premier League era, he's got. Um, oh, fucking hell, my head is in here. I'll wind up my final part of this. Uh, eight goals, thirty-two goals, and I mean the goals, brilliant goals, a lot of free kicks, a lot of penalties. But like again, the goal that he scored against Leicester in the Carabao Cup, it was a microcosm of his career because it was phenomenal. Everton were losing to Leicester, uh, deep in injury time. Baines gets the ball, unleashes a rocket into the top corner from open play. But Everton still went on to lose that game. Um, he, he took that game to extra time. So he scored 32 goals for Everton. Uh, and again, from an Ashley Cole point of view, and again, it's I, I bring in Ashley Cole to the conversation because he is a brilliant left back. And for England, he had better days than Baines had. But I think overall, um, Lytton Baines is the most complete uh, left back in the history of in the Premier League era and for Everton it's a real shame that he doesn't go on another season but he has been a true legend for the club because he said at the club when there was opportunities uh, to move on to bigger clubs yeah I mean I mean absolutely I think I, I think he'll go down as well there's two things he'll be remembered for the first thing is like I do think he'll be it's all, well you can see already he's he's he, he'll be underrated like he like he is massively underrated when when people talk about Premier League sort of team, like teams. Penny, the... Did you say he was the best left back in the history of the Premier League? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> that, that is the most ridiculous. That is well, who else is there? Cole. Ashley Cole. I called out the other option. Ashley Cole, who actually went and won things at clubs and played in winning teams. You cannot say that a yeah, player. But he, who, yeah, but he's. Isn't that Paddy's point that he could have gone elsewhere and won things? And then we could say he was the best left back in the history of the Premier League. Until then, you can say he potentially could have been the best left back in the history of the Premier League, except he he, he responded to a higher calling and was loyal to Everton, thus meaning we could never establish if he was really, truly great or or, or where he stood because he didn't actually uh, achieve the things that the great players achieved. So it's, 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 you can't say he's the best left back uh, it, because there's nothing to point to it. What did he, what did he, what did he achieve? What did he win? What did he do? Like there's, it's, it's, 
they're the things that matter. Like it's great that he 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 devoted himself to Everton, but unless Everton had actually, uh, um, you know, won won a, a a bunch of trophies during that time, it's 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 not something that it really kind of stands up. I guess I understand, like, I very clearly understand the point that you're making about winning trophies and that being a big part of what makes a player great. But, like, he did it at the, the highest level. Like, Everton were in the top half of the table for the entire time. It's he not played the highest the level. It's the top he half played, of the Premier League. It's not the highest level. The Champions well, they qualified for Europe I mean, more he, often than not when Baines was playing. He wasn't. Uh, even, he wasn't. He didn't get in the England team because there was a better left back ahead of him. Uh, well, you see, the thing is, like, if you're not playing for one of the top four, you're not going to get well, in the team. That's what happened. Then go. That's why it's all it's all speculative. It's all uh, it's all well, the, sta- it's the all statistics. Hyper- deal. Hypothetical, hypothetical. The, the statistics. What's he's twi- twice as many goals and twice as many assists as as Ashley Cole. Because Ashley Cole is playing for a team where more players score goals and more. There, he's 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 playing with a team with Frank Lampard and Didier Didier Drogba. And there's, he's playing with a, a lot more quality in his side, uh, and I, I, you know, I don't know. I think that's. Uh, I think I think if you're once you start saying, oh, he, he didn't, he didn't. The reason the reason he didn't play for England was because there was a, a big club prejudice. It wasn't because he was, you know, he was clearly better than the player ahead of him. Then you're, uh, then you're you're, Paddy. I hate to say, but then you're clutching at straws. You're clutching at straws. Then, if you're, you're saying there's a big club conspiracy, that that's the only reason Leighton Ashley Cole was like, if it wasn't for like he was a very good player, Leighton Baines. Ashley Cole is a, was an outstanding player who did it at the highest level. Who did it? We talked about Ashley Cole. But Ashley Cole did it at World Cups. He did it at European Championships. Ashley Cole was a phenomenal fullback. And so, with that evidence, not with the speculative stuff of what he could have done. You actually have the evidence of somebody who did it. Maybe Leighton Baines would have done it if he'd got in, in, in there ahead of Ashley Cole, but he didn't do it. So you can't say he was he was. But it's Moneyball. If you line them up in terms of their statistics, in terms of recoveries, tackles, tackle rate, assists, goals, Baines is ahead of Cole on every single one of those. Deals. For a team with fewer players who could provide those. Tackle rate. Like, I mean, that's just an example. That's a tackle basic rate. for a defender. Tackle rate because they give the ball away more and he has to get the, win the ball back. <laughs> <laughs> Look, at, I know, like, it's, it's, I suppose it's comparing apples and oranges. And your point, I understand what it is. It's just that in terms of watching the two players play at their peak, I never got the cold thing. I, I mean, he's a brilliant defender. Brilliant defender. But, like, he didn't have, like, searing pace, a good tackler, a very solid defender. But he didn't have that uh, assist in his locker. He wasn't a swashbuckler. Ashley Cole was the best England player of his generation. <laughs> Honestly. Like, I know you one, think that. I know you think that. I know he's you're the only, one who, he's the only one who did it. at the like, uh, We talked about this last week. He was the one who did it. He was the golden member of the golden generation who actually did it in, the, in, in those things. And I understand what you're saying, but you can't put that up. You can't put his career up against Leighton Baines and then Say well on tackle rate and assists. Uh, um, uh, Allison has more assists than um, who is it than Raheem Sterling this season? Uh, does that mean that he's he, he's a better outfield player than Raheem Sterling? 
<laughs> I, do, I do think yeah. I, I do think two things two things that we can we can probably agree on is first of all um there was a moment in time when when Leighton Baines was playing playing with Stephen Pienaar and that combination was possibly one of the best in the Premier League for that period of time like like, like those two dovetailed each other on the left better than I'd I say the, I'd say the, 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 the only clear comparison um is is obviously Beckham and, and Neville um, but um, I mean, Baines and Baines and Pina were amazing together. And secondly, he is—he'll probably go down as the Premier League eras or any eras um, coolest player in terms of music. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, yeah. he, was, he was the Britpop footballer. Like you—you've you, got—you've got other—you've got other players. Like uh, I think as Wayne Rooney got a Stereophonics tattoo. Um, you've got players like Gary Neville who's, who's into like the Stone Roses, but like. This this is a man who was like best mates with uh, Miles Kane and and the Arctic Monkeys, and and I'm like I would not be surprised if there's like a musical sort of a uh, future for him. I reckon I, 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 he could easily go. He could easily sort of win a few enemies enemy awards in the future. He could he he, he could he could easily sort of uh, become this Stock Aiken and Waterman sort of style sort of impresario for the. For, for, for the for the for the indie scene, I think uh, I think that's where his future might lie. I'm happy. I, I agree with all that. I'm just not letting. And you, and you can't say that about Ashley Cole. <laughs> you can't. You <laughs> really can't. No, they're two brilliant players. Anyway, either ways, it's over for uh, Leighton Baines, but not necessarily at Everton. Ancelotti's already said that he potentially um, will keep him on at the club, and he probably will have a coaching role let's move on because we're we're we've done a lot now and we still have to talk about the football writers footballer of the year awards um we could go into the stats on this one as well and start aligning up jordan henderson and others including kevin de bruyne but uh dion a fitting a deserving winner jordan henderson for the football writers footballer of the year award um jordan henderson is uh probably deserving of everything he gets in football because he's 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 an incredible example of uh hard work and dedication um and effort uh and he didn't he didn't um he didn't vote for himself as a footballer of the year footballer of the year not player of the year which uh is a different award. The PFA Player of the Year is a different award, and uh, I know that the, it the, it needs to be called the Footballer of the Year. Um, and I, I think this is a. I don't think it's a baffling decision. I think it's a. It's a. It's a. It's a very understandable award, even though I think there are a number of players. Not just. Not. I don't think it's between Henderson and Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I think it's between there are about three or four players in the Liverpool side who would be more fitting, who I would have voted for ahead of Jordan Henderson. And, uh, you know, and the, one of the things about the Footballer of the Year award is that it's seen as the football, it's not the player of the year, it, 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 it's meant to embody something else. It's meant to be the Footballer of the Year. So, uh, um, you know, in the in the uh, in the on the football, this is an award voted for by the football writers uh, of of Britain or of England, 
And on their website, it explains that uh, this is they, they go into why he's given he's been given this award. Leadership is intangible and often unquantifi- un, un, often unquantifiable unless it is inarguable. Uh, jo- Jordan Henderson is both the ultimate professional and now a bona fide Liverpool legend. Jordan is a player's teammates look up to look to on the pitch and who his rivals look look up to off it. Um, in this country's darkest moment, Jordan unprompted personally rallied club captains to establish players together. Millions of pounds being raised for the NHFs, NHS and significantly players together is now an established collective power base for players to engage in campaigns, none more so evident in the ongoing and powerful anti-racism Black Lives Matter campaign. He is a truly worthy winner of our award. Um, now, I would have thought in that context, and nobody can doubt anything that Jordan Henderson has done and what he did around uh, bringing you know, the cap- captains and that play- players together at that point in time when footballers were getting such an unfair, uh, un- receiving such unfair criticism from the Tory government was exceptional and was really profound. But when you, mention, when you talk about Black Lives Matter, uh, and you look at this Liverpool team, and if you want to do something that actually recognises those two great forces and also looks at, at the players who you would look at and maybe just on the basis of, of how much they've contributed to the team, you would think they would be the players you would identify as winners. You might decide, well, maybe Sadio Mane would, should, should win the award. Or maybe Trent Alexander-Arnold should win the award. Or maybe Virgil van Dijk who was a player who organised, uh, along with Jeannie Wijnaldum, was a player who, uh, who organised that arresting, and I think it was probably the first Premier League in that training session uh, the, of, of the Liverpool, player, Liverpool squad taking the knee at Anfield uh, before, the, before, the, before Project Restart restarted. And that was a hugely significant moment in terms of what footballers were going to do for Black Lives Matter. Black Lives Matter. And that was driven by two players at at Liverpool. Now, I wouldn't argue that necessarily that you could put Wijnaldum ahead of uh, uh, Jordan Henderson, but you could certainly make the case from on and off the pitch for Virgil van Dijk. You could certainly make the case for Sadio Mane for how exceptional he has been um, for Liverpool. And I think the thing about the Footballer of the Year award is it is always, if, if Scott Parker was once voted Footballer of the Year, Scott Parker was once made Footballer of the Year. And I think if they can, the football writers like to give the award to somebody who they think will appreciate what a great honour it is to receive this award from them. I think they like to think that these that this that there'll be people that the, the winner will be appreciative, will be respectful, will be um, just will will grasp it in a way uh, that is that he understands. He understands, you know, English newspapers. He understands where they're coming from. He understands this culture. And uh, that is the thing that uh, that you 
you know, you you may get with certain winners, like Scott Parker being the classic example. Scott Parker being an example of somebody who would who would appreciate that. And it reminds me of the uh, the Golden Globes and um, the uh, the Hollywood Foreign Press Association, which are you know the people behind the Golden Globes, um, and because they aren't the Oscars, there is this there is this tremendous sense of reverence for their own awards because they're almost they're always feeling we're not you know we're the footballer of the year we're not the player of the year they're voted that's voted for the players that was always seen as the one that you wanted because it was voted for by your by your peers that was the one that had the had the uh cachet because the peers your the, your fellow professionals were the people who understood it and um, and this was this was just this was just uh no nothing hacks that's 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 uh and because of and we all have that anyone who's written about football understands that sense of you're just a no nothing hack that you get from players when you're talking to them so as a as an understandable reflex it may be you may just create this sort of suit of armor of of importance around you and hope and the, and it's actually just trying to disguise a little bit of insecurity but it is it does it does that insecurity, like so many insecurities, it does tend to harden sometimes into something that doesn't look like insecurity. That might look like pomposity or self-regard, but it is actually insecurity. And if you're insecure, you want somebody who is going to 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 honor you when you get the award. And I think Jordan Henderson uh, is somebody who will do that and he is very fitting and he is a deserving he is he is he his story at Liverpool is exceptional but I think from the point of view of this season for Liverpool and then if you want to talk you know like this season on the pitch for Liverpool I don't think he's uh Allison Trent Alexander-Arnold Van Dijk Mane uh Salah and I would I would put all of those ahead of him and I, I would then suggest that in a year when Black Lives Matter has been such a such a huge thing and such an important thing you know the, clearly the pandemic has been a critical and a life-changing thing for all of us but I think in a year when Black Lives Matter has been the uh, has 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 been so critical and in engaged um footballers and sports people um everywhere uh it 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 it, it could have been uh, maybe a winner who 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 uh who represented that movement would have been more fitting as well Naz, what are your thoughts on on henderson for uh, footballer of the year there's a case to be made why why Henderson deserves it as as the captain of Liverpool and how much he respects and what he's done. But like for me, um, as much as De Bruyne De Bruyne has, has had an amazing season, like like and again, hate to agree with Dion again, but like Sadio Mane, like I I think he deserves it over both of them. And again, like Sadio Mane is one of these players that I don't think gets the credit he deserves. Like he he's he's been amazing. He 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 was he was actually amazing when when um, uh, Mo Salah was getting all the attention and getting all the headlines. 
um, the previous season, he he was the one who was being selfless. He was the one who was who was happy to to provide instead of being like he he he'd always kind of been the main man at Southampton and then at Liverpool. But he was happy to take uh, a backseat and 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 sort of accommodate everything and accommodate um, um, Salah as, as the sort of focal point and like he just help him and and sort of assist him. And 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 again this season he's just been he's just been incredible, incredibly consistent. Big big game player as well. Uh, or, 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 or whenever whenever Liverpool are down and they need they need some kind of spark or or, or so, somebody to bring them up a little bit like something that United are lacking. A, a player who who when the team's doing badly or the team's struggling, they take the game by the scruff of the neck and make things happen. That's what he does. And again, like I completely appreciate um, the praise Henderson's getting for stuff he's done off the field, but Mane is a player who has built hospitals. Mani is is a player who's built schools. Um he he he's he's well known for his charity work. So um But he isn't England captain. This is yeah, the thing. Yeah. He is and, 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 and also and, and also those things were happening in Senegal, so perhaps they don't matter as much, I don't know. But like it's uh and and also, like let's not forget, like as as much as footballers um are praised for being winners and for and for having like uh, for being sort of Focus purely on, on on sort of winning and that sort of that sort of scene is a good thing. Mane is a player. When 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 the coronavirus pandemic was at its very peak, and there was still uh, a possibility of the of the season being scrapped. Like Mane is is somebody who 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 sort of um, publicly said, "I'll understand if 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 the season stops here and the, and the season's cancelled, I und- I understand because because some things are more important and." And again, that's that's just a mark of what a lovely bloke he is. But quite apart from being a lovely bloke, he's a he's he's a fucking sensational footballer and a, and a really consistent footballer and a really selfless footballer. So that would be my choice. The PFA Player of the Year, which is voted for by the players, your peers, presumably is worth more to players because it's you know voted for by peers. But I, I think I read a piece recently where it said that oftentimes that. Players can be um, maybe not as diligent uh, to voting as writers are. (laughs) Like the writers will be very much casting their votes, but sometimes the players will have to be kind of corralled by the club captain. So it's 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 interesting. It's it's interesting how the people who 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 say that the that the writers award matters more tend to be writers. Um, I imagine, yeah. Like the like, I think that's fine if the players who vote. It's like voting. Like if the players who vote. Uh, are the ones who are more engaged by voting. They're the players who whose views on it are probably are probably ones you should listen to. Um, so uh, now, if those players just been um, sort of dragged down to the ballot box and told to vote, then maybe it, it diminishes a little bit. But I don't. I I think it's uh, um, it's uh, it's um, it is the award that I I that that probably means more to players. Um, but you know they've made the Ballon d'Or. They've managed to make the Ballon d'Or out of uh, um, you know a voting by journalists from ar- around the world. And when we see the when we get a look at the uh, the ballots on that, it's there's always some um, spectacular votes. So uh, uh, you know it's, um, it's has, it, has, has there been any spectacular votes for the Writers Award? I don't see you don't get you don't see no, the uh, well, see. well you Scott Parker. Scott Parker winning it uh, to me is um, uh, a spectacular 
um, example of uh, you know a good lad winning it and somebody who would uh, as I said would appreciate uh, the world which um, uh, which you know that where 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 someone who would appreciate that world and uh, be appreciative of receiving this award um, uh, and I think that's uh, that's something that matters a great deal sometimes. All right, we'll leave it there, lads. That's that's our lot for this evening. That's our lot for the Premier League for this year. Um, the Premier League will be back again on September the 12th. Um, but there's obviously lots of action to come and we will be back with more football spins as the playoffs um, take shape and, of course, lots of European football to come. It'll be, it'll be a very short break for any players that are involved in the Champions League and the Europa League which will take place throughout the month of August. So make sure that you have subscribed to ensure that you never miss a show. Um, For now, though, thanks very much to Dion Fanning and to Naz Chowdhury, and we will talk to you again soon. Good luck. I think it would lift the spirits of the nation. I don't give a fuck about the nation of Morocco. People's lives are at risk. Oli Gunnar, where would you like the statue? (laughs) It's an absolute disgrace. I refuse to answer that question. We'll take that as a yes, then. Take it whatever you want. I don't understand that politics, coronavirus. Why me? I wear a base cap and uh, have a bad shave.